Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. The offseason is officially here. The Washington Nationals have won the World Series, so that means everyone else can proceed with their offseason doings. What does that mean for the Cubs? Well, it could mean a lot of things. We're hearing more rumors. We're hearing more issues over budgets and all that good stuff. Stick with us. We'll talk all about it. Adam, how you doing? Fantastic. Good to hear. Good to hear. Adam, the Nationals won the World Series. Pretty crazy that not a single home win was had in that mm-hmm. World Series. Every single winner was on the road. Pretty crazy. <laughs> Houston Astros, who I thought were still pretty heavy favor- favorites, I mean, they, they just flat lost. I I didn't think they played overly terrible. The Nationals were just no. better. Yeah, I was. I'm surprised. My prediction before the World Series was Astros in five. That's what I had. I, that's probably what a lot of people had. I think the Astros were the favorites for sure. Uh, but the Nationals, they did what they needed to do to beat the Astros, and that is they needed mm-hmm. their starters to go deep. I think that. If the Astros were going to win this series, they needed to get the national starters out as soon as possible because I, I believe Houston has a superior bullpen. But yeah. when you've got Scherzer and Strasburg going six or seven innings in the games, that made a huge difference for them. And I I think that's that's what ultimately got them the championship. Well, you look at the way the Nationals just grinded away in certain spots. And when they were pesky on the base paths in certain spots, or when they just used small ball and big ball, so to speak, to win. I don't know if anyone actually calls it big ball, but I'll call it big ball right now because they had a very nice mix of hitting home runs in a timely manner and then, you know, hitting some line drives, getting on base, getting over. Uh, yeah. just, they really mixed it up very nicely. They had a they had a lot of guys play really well. I think that, you know, Strasburg was deserving of World Series MVP, but I think there were some other guys that you could have considered too. Sure. I mean, Juan Soto for sure. I actually mm-hmm. think Adam Eaton was kind of overlooked just as far yes. as what an impact he had in this series. Yes. Uh, the Nationals just played really well. They did. I mean, top to bottom played really well, and. You know, again, they won four games all in Houston, and Houston is one of the toughest buildings to win in right now. Yeah, imagine imagine the home crowd being disappointed every single game of every the World Series. Single all, game. all seven games, the home crowd went home with their heads down. Yeah, I, pretty nuts. Pretty it nuts. A, it's a, it was a great year to watch the World Series from your TV. And frankly, I thought when the Astros took the lead on the road in the series— I thought the Nationals were done. Well, yeah, I mean, they you beat Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander in Houston, mm-hmm. and then you lose the next two at home? Yeah. <laughs> and you're going back to Houston for the final yeah. one? Yeah, what a crazy—it was a great series, though. I thought it was a really, really entertaining World Series. It really was. I We were treated to a good one. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, we cannot say the Cubs were anywhere close to that, but this is a Cubs show, uh, so we'll get right into it. The offseason is here, and I think the biggest conversation right now is what next. And to go further on that, more and more fans are growing more concerned because from what we hear more and more, it sounds like money is an issue again. It sounds like the luxury tax is an issue for the Cubs and they're not going to spend a load of money. Will they spend more than last year? I bet they will, but I don't expect any huge spending. I think one of the keys to listen to, uh, one of the key people I should say to listen to, uh, was Chairman Tom Ricketts, who was on with Mullion Haw the other day on 6-7 to score. It might have been a week or two ago. But I remember listening to it And he brought up a number of big points. One of them uh, was that they were concerned about the luxury tax. They paid the luxury tax, but it doesn't sound like that's really a money issue. It's the fact that they don't want to lose draft picks. And from what Tom Ricketts expressed, he sounds like he really wants to turn around the developmental 
stages of the Cubs franchise as a whole. I mean, the whole organization. He wants to see the stages of development with some of their young prospects, the ones they have, uh, improve, especially pitchers. Uh, but, you know, with that being said, I, we look at the situation right now, and there, there, it's clearly not going to be another, hey, let's spend what we need to offseason like we had a number of years before last year. Well, they're in a really weird spot right mm-hmm. now because you look at a lot of these teams that are in in uh, October baseball year after year, and they do one or both of these things. They spend a lot of money, and they develop young players in their system. The Cubs haven't done the former, and they're not willing to do the latter at the moment, but they've still got this roster full of guys that are that are good enough that they should be competing. And so they're they're in a weird spot where their their competitive window shouldn't be closed, but they also they haven't done uh, the things that you, that are necessary to keep that window open. So it, they're in a really weird in between kind of spot right now, and I just don't see how they dig themselves out of it really quickly unless they get a little bit more flexible. They're going to have to get real creative at this point. I mean, just to make changes around here, because look, here are your top guys that are making the money. Jason Hayward, $23.5 million. You Darvish, and this is just for next year. This is 2020 payroll. You Darvish, 22. Lester, 20. Anthony Rizzo, 16.5. They picked up his option. Craig Kimbrell, 16. Tyler Chatwood, 13. Kyle Hendricks, 12, but 11.5 for Quintana, another option they picked up. You look at the arbitration estimates, the projections. Now, again, these are projections, so it's it's a ballpark of what we're looking at right now. But Chris Bryant, third year of arbitration, going to make probably in the upper teens, around 18, 19 million. Around 10 million for Baez. He's in arbitration year number two. Kyle Schwarber, same thing. Arbitration number two, around eight nine million. Wilson Contreras, right now projected at four point five, but I think he might get a little more than that. Uh, Addison Russell, five point one, but he's probably going to be gone. Uh, hopefully, Albert Almora, one point eight, he's probably gone. Kyle Ryan, one point one, I could see them bringing him back. And then you have the guys like Victor Caratini, Ian Happ, Nico Horner, Dylan Maples, Alec Mills, Dwayne Underwood, Rowan Wick, Brad Wick. Tony Kemp, who have two-way contracts, who are pre-arbitration. Uh, some will come back, some won't. I mean, though, what those guys are going to make are pennies. What we have right now is a lot of money locked into guys who you know are going to be here. Uh, unless they find someone to take Jason Hayward's salary, he'll be here. I mean, he's still a valuable part of the team. You Darvish isn't going anywhere. John Lester's not going anywhere. Rizzo's not going anywhere. And Kimbrell's not going anywhere. And they're the ones making the most money. So how do they how do they jump back into contention then? If and you know, like you said, they're gonna have to get creative. They're gonna have to get really creative if they're not gonna spend any money, because obviously the the development part of things, that doesn't happen overnight. And the, I don't think they're in a position right now where anybody in their farm system can be truly impactful this next season. So how they go about solving the issues that they've got right now, I'm not sure. I mean, a lot of these teams, they're willing to go over the luxury tax threshold. The Cubs, for whatever reason, are not. I'm just not sure how they clear the hump here. Yeah, I mean, you had Tom Ricketts himself on the radio saying he sees them staying in a window of contention. So in other words, no look at rebuilding or anything. Um, I think that's pretty clear. They're not going to do that, especially in year one of a TV network. I mean, you'd think it'd be in their best interest to put as good of a product on the field in year one of their TV network. But he's also expressed wanting to see the team develop better. And he's right. It does need to develop better. Right. I, I think the, the problem that a lot of people would think about, though, is that you know, but maybe by the time you've developed some guys, and your core uh, has reached free agency and they're gone. And it, you know, in an ideal world, those two things would overlap and not happen one after another. But you know, 
I think the, the bullpen is one of the biggest issues. There's not mm-hmm. a ton of super impactful bullpen pieces available this year. No. It's no. a little yeah, it's it favors more the starting pitchers and the position players. Not a ton of great relief pitchers on the market and I I would say the bullpen is the biggest question mark for the Cubs. So how they go about fixing that part of the team is going to be interesting to see. It really is an awkward position. And look, if you're going to want to stay in a window, you're going to have to do something. And, and that's why I look more and more and I see that they're going to have to make some trades because you look at the overall payroll projected for 2020. You have the estimates of the arbitration. You can take away the guys you don't think are going to yeah. be back. You're going to put the guys you know who are going to be on the books. I mean, Jason Hayward's salary is guaranteed. You Darvish, John Lester, Anthony Rizzo. I, I mean, one move, one little salary dump is not just going to suddenly give you a whole bunch of flexibility because right. there is a lot of money being tied up there. Well, and this is we're at we're in the situation now where you begin to question Theo and Jed's mentality which is has always been sign the pitchers and then develop the hitters which we were all fine with in the moment because it worked it got them a world series but you can mm-hmm. only do that's a short-term solution though mm-hmm. to a long-term problem and they're in that spot now where the lack of developed pitchers is coming back to bite them right and, and the other thing is too you want some more hitters, too. I mean, you're, the depth on the team is not very good in terms of lineup. Right. Yeah, your core. I, Anthony Rizzo had a great year. Chris Bryant had a very good year. Baez, before he got hurt, had a Baez year. Kyle Schwarber had a breakout year. Wilson Contreras was really good. Uh, but, you know, outside that, the depth wasn't there. And yeah, you that's... brought in Nicholas Castellanos, who was a godsend, but he's a free agent, and he's going to want to get paid. You, you got to try to get him, right? Of course. You got to. Of course. Frankly, I can see him staying in Chicago, just not with us. I think the White Sox his, will offer him a decent paycheck. Yeah, his his projected salary, I I actually thought it was it's lower than I was expecting it to be. It was like in the up mid to upper 50s and I was expecting it to be like in the lower 70s. So, I frankly that sounds like a bit of a bargain to me. And they got to take it. I mean, I'm sorry. They have to. To me, there's no excuse not to go hard after try. Nicholas Castellanos. Yeah, yeah. I think they've they've got to make a serious effort on that one. Right, and I, you know, I would I would hate to see him end up on the White Sox. That would crush me. It, it would be kind of like watching Aloy all the time, you know, because Castellanos, yeah. in my opinion, would crush in that ballpark on the South Side. It's a hitter friendly oh, ballpark. Probably, he would crush it there. Um, yeah, well, and he has. I mean, he, he's he's played in that division for most of his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, I mean, he's right in the prime of his career. You saw how well he fit here. He clearly liked being a Cub. I mean, to let him walk would just be yeah, awful. And I'm got, sure they're going to try. But yeah, they, they've got a, They've got the upper hand already. They've got an advantage, and I hope they, I hope they do something with it. I'm looking at Spot Trek right now, and you know, Spot Trek, there, there's obviously, uh, obviously laid out several ways. You have base salary, signing bonus, payroll salary, adjusted salary, payroll percentage, luxury tax. But I'm just looking at some of the totals on the side. Um, you know, right now, the payroll active, as of right now, you know, not counting the arbitration and uh, the free agents that are no longer on the team that haven't been re-signed, obviously, since it's so early. Uh, the payroll's at about $185.3 million. Uh, the estimated tax space is $228K. Take that as yeah. you will. Yeah, they've, they've got a lot of money tied up already. It, it's going to be tough. Right. Now... Another question I wanted to ask you. To me, I thought it was a no-brainer, but there seems to be varying opinions on this. You had a number of guys who had club options. You knew Anthony Rizzo was coming back. Mm -hmm. You knew Brandon Morrow was not coming back. To me, it was a no-brainer bringing back Jose Quintana, despite the way things ended last year. 
again, look at the numbers for Quintana and look at the stats a little closer. I mean, I'm not saying he was an all-star, but he was much better than his ERA indicated. And I can go on and on about that. The Babbitt against was nearly 500 the last two months. Uh, The hard contact versus, you know, what was actually being put in play and getting on base, you know, he was getting a little unlucky is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. But he had a 380 FIP on the year. A 380 FIP for a guy that's not overpowering and was playing in a league where balls are flying out of the ballpark at alarming rates, that's pretty dang solid. Look, you bring him back and you either have a fairly cheap four starter or you try to move him. I just think just letting him go would not have been a smart move. Despite the sour feelings towards him, we all know Eloy and Cease, we all know that, but I thought it would have been ill-advised not to bring him back because you could still do a number of things with him. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to add to what you just said there. I think that you bring him back because he obviously can be better than what he was, and just having somebody who can pitch 170 to 200 innings every year is valuable in itself. Because, look, you're you're definitely going to try to bring in some better arms. Is it going to be Garrett Cole? I don't think so. Probably not. I'm saying 99.9% chance it's not going to be Garrett Cole. Not going to be Steven Strasburg. I think Steven Strasburg, if I'm a betting man, he goes back to Washington. There are other guys on the market that I like that we could talk about. But, uh, I mean, I think it's better to be safe than sorry. Because you look at the depth you could possibly put, I mean, there are a number of Cubs fans who want to see some of the depth get a chance. And I say, okay, I mean, I can respect that opinion, but what I'd want to add is the guys you'd give a chance, uh, kind of risky. You don't have, I mean, Adbert Alzelay is the closest thing you have to a stud pitching prospect, and he's having injury issues. Alec Mills has shown to be pretty good, but how good will he be over time? We don't know yet. I just think you need to solidify yourself with as many veterans as you can, but veterans still in their prime while you try to develop pitching. I mean, if you're going to keep in a window here, you got to do both. Yeah, they they surely are regretting things a little bit now because, I mean, yeah, how do you – you have no options in your own system right now. I mean, maybe somebody comes up and surprises us, uh, but based on what we know and what we've seen – there isn't going to be anybody coming up from AAA to be a major contributor anytime soon. And that's that's a problem. That should have happened by now. I think that you know the the mentality of signing the pitchers and developing the hitters, it's all it's fine and dandy in the moment, but you have to be ready for the moment when eventually you know you you do run into to gears where you can't spend as much as usual and sometimes there just aren't as many guys available. That's what's happening now. It's a little bit of both, and they're they're going to be shorthanded in in one area or another. I think you know there's a lot of holes on this team, and they're not going to be able to fill them all before the season starts. In, in an ideal world, they address every issue that they have, but that's just not going to be the case. I, either the depth or the bullpen or the rotation, something is going to be. Uh, less than ideal for them going into the 2020 season. Probably at least a couple areas. I just can't see how they fix everything right away. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking at their payroll right now, just staring at these numbers continuously, and just you look at just some of the numbers, and you kind of go, ugh. I really liked how Tyler Chatwood kind of reinvented himself last year. I actually enjoyed a lot watching him out of the bullpen. But boy, thirteen million committed to that—that's a lot of money for yeah, a guy who's probably going to be long relief. That's that's a bad one. That's almost worse than Hayward. Uh, Hayward's pretty bad too, though. I was fine with the Hayward signing in the moment for a couple of reasons. Of course, one one because we thought he would be a much better player than he's been for the Cubs, and two because I don't think most people realized that signing him to that big contract was going to mean they weren't going to spend any money at all in the coming seasons. Had I known that was going to be the case, then maybe I wouldn't have been such a big fan of the deal. Right. I mean, he was a pretty consistently good ball player coming up to that point. And look, Hayward, the the last season, this last season for Hayward was pretty productive. I, he had a nice season. 
was it 23.5 million good? Absolutely not. No, but I mean, if he was making like 15 million, I'd say, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, you know, it's, you're right, but pretty, pretty good is not good enough for the deal that he's on, not even close to good enough. And I think it's even arguable that pretty good is what we've gotten out of him. Yeah, I, you look at the last I would, few years. I would say more along the lines of a, a decent, and at times just downright unplayable. Yeah, I mean, 20, 2016 was really hard to watch, but the way I do look at 2016 at least is he was part of that World Series team. I mean, I as cliche as it is, I think that meeting in the locker room really did kind of help them. So that's why I don't cringe at it quite as much. But here are Hayward's stats since 2017. 260, 335, 406, OPS is 741, 40 homers, 360 hits, 58 doubles, 12 triples, 178 RBI, OPS plus a 93. I mean, that right there is like a step above average. Average. Not a big step, but a a small yeah. step above average. Yeah, that's 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 highly disappointing. A small step above average is not worth one hundred and eighty for the million. money dollars for the money. Right. If we sign, if if this guy was on like a a three year deal that was pretty cheap, you'd say, all right, we're getting our bang for our buck. But I mean, I'll, I'll give him last year. Last year, three forty three on base, slugging four twenty nine, twenty one home runs. And how many doubles? Let's see, 20 doubles, four triples. It was a nice yeah. year last year. It was. Yeah, I just I just think that you know, as much as we try to look at the Hayward situation as glass half full, years from now, I don't I think it'll be hard for anyone to look at that deal as anything other than a borderline disaster. I'd say semi-disappointment i wouldn't call it a disaster not not just because not just because of the production for the money but because of the financial ramifications of it too sure sure i mean look you darvish was their best pitcher last year but he's i mean at least in the second half i should say he was their best pitcher in the second half as a whole um and i think he's trending upward in that but you know we'll see how he does as well it's that's a lot of a lot of money tied up there. I mean, the yeah. good thing with John Lester is it's the final year of his guaranteed money, and it's probably going to be it. It's still yeah. a lot of money. It was still worth giving him the contract. I mean, there's no question about that. Oh yeah. But you know, he's still going to be making a lot of money this year. Yeah, I mean, with the, with the Lester contract, you, you know, you sign when a guy's turning thirty, you, you sign him on one of those big deals with the understanding that towards the end of it, you're not going to be getting nearly as much value that we understood and we accepted. Right. Exactly. That was, that was foreseen. We knew that he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He came here. He gave us a couple of all-star caliber seasons. He pitched lights out in the postseason, and he was a key cog in a world series. It's exactly what we signed him to do. It's exactly what he did. I, frankly, I think this year, the way I see him is he's going to be coming in as like a five starter when you think about it. Yeah, he, he may not be slotted in at number five, but as far as production they get from him, it'll probably be more along you know, the lines of a fifth starter. And who knows, maybe he'll surprise us and we'll get even a little bit more than that from him. And sure. If, if there's one thing that Lester has proven to us, it's that he is able to adapt a little bit as he gets older. So I wouldn't put it past him to be more valuable than a fifth-end guy. I'm going to read off the following names, um, and I'm going to ask you uh, if you think it's worth it for arbitration. Okay. okay. Javi Baez, around twelve, uh, ten million. Ten million, yeah. It's yeah. as as far as am I pretending that you know we have as much money as possible and and we're just giving these guys what they deserve, or, or are we considering you know the, the financial flexibility of Consider the team? Consider everything. Considering what you're comfortable, okay. what you think is realistic for both him and for. The franchise. I, I think that's realistic, and frankly, I think that he would deserve every penny of that. Me too. Me too. Kyle Schwarber, uh, he's projected around $8 million. I think that's a little steep. 
I think that's just a, a, a little bit steep for what Kyle Schwarber brings to the table. Uh, if he, listen, if he could play an entire season the way he played the last two and a half months of last season, then absolutely I would think that would be an awesome deal. But the the trouble with Kyle Schwarber is is that you know he he kind of does this all the time where he spends a lot of the season on a lull and then really kicks it into gear in certain parts of the year. If he could just be that player he was for the last couple months for most of the season, then absolutely that I think that would be a bargain. But I think what we're going to get from Kyle Schwarber is mostly a season of hitting like 220-ish with 35 to 40 home runs. I don't know if that's quite worth $8 million or not. If he could be a 250 hitter and hit that many home runs, then absolutely. I mentioned Addison Russell. He was projected by Spotrick around 5.1. Personally, I think he's gone. That that one I just have no clue. I have absolutely no idea what the team's intentions are with Addison Russell. They seem to have been kind of quiet lately on on that front. I don't know. I I guess I wouldn't mind seeing him go somewhere else. I'm not really I'm not a fan of his anymore, obvious for obvious reasons, but I, I, I just think that the team could probably do with shedding some of that turmoil. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it'd be dumb to bring him back, frankly, after what after everything that's happened. I, I mean, mean gotta... the product, the production just isn't there. I don't think he's not even as good a defender as he was. I mean, that was no. the that the bulk of his value is that he was a phenomenal middle infielder. Uh, but now I see a head case who's just riddled with mistakes and the constant base path errors. It's I, I just don't see why the Cubs would want to hang on to that anymore. I think he's a head case. Yeah. So we're going to consider him out the window. Wilson Contreras, uh, arbitration one, uh, waiver options two, in case you care, because it's also listed on Spot Trek. I just thought I'd read that. Uh, 4.5 right now he's projected at. Yeah. I think that sounds about right. Uh, and you've mentioned before that you think he's worth a little bit more than that. I tend to agree. I think what brings the value down a little bit is the risk of injury. Yeah, and you know, as guys go through more years of arbitration eligibility, obviously your value will build. So, uh, yeah, that's. I if think 4.55 is probably where he's going to get yeah, it. Yeah, and if he was a different position, then, then maybe... It would be different, but I, you know, when you're playing catcher, that's that's a way bigger physical toll on your body than anywhere else in the field, and so that I think that risk of injury is just a little bit higher for him. So 4.5 sounds about right to me. Okay, so the last two guys, Albert Almora, Kyle Ryan. I mentioned earlier, Albert Almora is about 1.8. Personally, I think he's gone. I think they yeah, move on. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. Which is disappointing to me because I really like the guy. Me too. I, I wish it. I wish things would have gone differently, but I just don't see how he fits in now, given the guys no. they've got, the guys that they might be going after. I just don't see how he fits into this team. No, you got to pretty much move on from that. I think uh, Kyle Ryan comes back. They got him at one point one. I have him about one million somewhere around there. Yeah, I, I'd I'd be fine with that. Sounds about right to me. So, with all of that in mind, with all of that in mind, you know, you put that all together, that adds up too. So this is really tricky. I just the more and more I look at it, the more complicated i can tell this is and you know what it's very lucky that theo epstein locked up to anthony rizzo and got him a deal back in 2013 on a deal that is incredibly club friendly because i'll tell you he's worth more than he's making if you compare the other numbers of what other guys are making what they're doing he's worth i mean jason hayward Look at what he's making, and look at what Anthony Rizzo's making. Yeah. Who's the better ball player? Oh, it's it's not even close, the production value. There's different, right. totally different ballparks. Right. So he, he's on a very club-friendly deal. They're pretty lucky to have that. Let me, I'm just throwing that out there. I, 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 very I agree. I agree, yeah. And, and there's, there's absolutely no way you could let Anthony Rizzo 
even contemplate free agency. You, you you do everything in your power to keep him there. I mean, he's 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 been here since the very start of of the competitive window. Mm-hmm. And you know, you you could make the argument that that he is the face of their franchise, which I I would say he is. Oh yeah, there's no question. Back in 2016, when they won the World Series, he was just making a little over $5 million. He was on his third straight All-Star team, uh, has been basically the leader the past several years. Uh, He was a world champ, very productive in the World Series, and he was making just over $5 million. Yeah, he's he's been on some very team-friendly deals. He's got one more year. That's another club option next year. And 2022, free agent. Do they get an extension? I think they may try. I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, I I, I sometimes really feel like we don't talk enough about just how good that guy is. Like, he's really dang good. Yeah, and I- he's kind of in the Derek Lee, uh, kind of that whole area of where... Mm-hmm. He puts up all-star numbers year after year, but he often gets snubbed just because of the competition around him. I mean, as good as he is, look at Freddie Freeman. Look at Joey Votto in his prime years a few years ago. Look, I mean, with Derek Lee, he was always shadowed behind Albert Pujols, even though Derek Lee had some really dang good seasons. It's kind of the same thing with Rizzo. Yeah, I think he does kind of get overlooked as one of the elite in the game, which I think I think it would be fair to say that Anthony Rizzo is one of the elite premier first basemen in the league. He just won another gold glove. Yeah. Congrats to him. He was the gold glove winner of the Chicago Cubs this year. He could have easily made the all-star team every year the past three years. But, you know, there, there were just other guys putting up even better numbers. Like, he's a three-time all-star. He could easily be a six-time all-star. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think he's been snubbed. Just this last year, he had a career high OBP of 405. He batted 293. Also a career high. He had a career high, oh sorry, second most OPS uh in 2016 was his career high in OPS. That was that was 9.28. This year was 9.24. Uh He had 27 home runs, which is a little less than his usual, but, you know, still pretty consistent. Yeah, for him, yeah. Yeah, so he had a really dang good year this year. And unfortunately, I think it's been kind of overshadowed by everything else. And this is his third gold glove that he's won. Yeah, that's that's impressive. It's, you know, that's a hard thing to get, uh, a first baseman who's excellent in the field and at bat. I mean, it's... Sometimes you you tend to get one or the other, but not both. And the Cubs have been lucky to have both for multiple years now. Yeah, he's got over a thousand career hits as a Cub. He has over two hundred home runs as a Cub. He has a career OPS of eight seventy two as a Cub. A slugging four ninety six, OBP three seventy six. And if you don't count that one really down year he had in twenty thirteen. Since 2014, he's slashing 284, 388, 513 in OPS and 901. Pretty damn good. That's elite. But he's his his value and what he's making. Again, pretty remarkable. Yeah, they they've been really lucky to have him. That's that's for damn sure. So let's look at the free agent market. I mean, who's realistic for this team is what people are asking a lot about. And I'm going to tell you, no, it's not going to be Garrett Cole. No, it's not going to be Anthony Rendon. No, it's not going to be Steven Strasburg. Yeah, so maybe somebody like Zach Wheeler or Jake Odorizzi, as far as the starting pitchers goes. I think those guys are realistic. Uh, maybe even Madison Bumgarner, who's he's 30 years old now. The Giants, they're not in a position... Uh, to play postseason baseball anytime soon, so you know if he wants to if he wants to be in the postseason, he's going to have to consider going somewhere else. And just given the injury history and his recent struggles, he's not going to be nearly as expensive as Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg. There's some intriguing guys 
further down on the starting pitching list. Uh, maybe Ryu. Ryu's going to be a free agent too. Uh, I think the, the the relief pitching pool is is where things get dicey because there's yeah. just not a lot there. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, no. That's going to be a real tough fix. But the guy I wrote about for Cubby's crib last week, and you brought him up, Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler, you may think, oh, big red flag. He had Tommy John surgery. That was multiple years ago. In 2018, he pitched to a 331 ERA, 325 FIP in 29 starts, had a strikeouts per nine of 8.8. That equates to 700, uh, 179, sorry, not 700, 179 strikeouts. Last year, this past year, 2019, the 396 ERA, that may jump a little bit at you, but the FIP was 348. The WHIP was 1.3. The strikeouts per nine was 9.0. He had 195 strikeouts total on the season, um, so almost 200 in 31 starts. The guy throws hard. He throws 98, 99. He's got a really hard breaking ball. He mixes in a changeup every now and then. He's a really dang good pitcher, and he I is. think. I think the Cubs need another guy with velocity on this team because they don't have a lot of those guys. They don't. Darvish is about the only one they've got. Yep. I guess it's it's kind of going to depend on what the league sees his value being. MLBTradeRumors.com has Zach Wheeler at five years, $100 million. I don't know. that. I feel like the Cubs, that might be a little steep for where the Cubs sure. are at right now and, and sure. from what they've said. Uh, if it's not quite that much, then I, I would definitely like to see them make a serious play for him. But I'm I'm just not sure the Cubs are going to give a nine-digit contract to anyone right now. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one. I mean, we want to re-sign Nicholas Castellanos, and I'm not sure how much he's going to get. I don't think he's going to make nine digits, but no, uh, he he's, won't. Obvious, he's obviously going to seek a multi-year deal. He's going to want to get paid for what he did last year there's gonna be a lot of teams on him the cubs really want him back but you know who else really wants him is the team on the other side of town the white Sox. yeah so, who, who in their right mind wants to play for the white Sox? no well, money talks they they give him their, the right offer their ballpark is a dump they play on the worst side of chicago their team stinks and everybody thinks they're on the rise and they're really going places. Personally, I don't really see it. I think they've still got a lot of holes to fill if they're going to do that. I don't see the White Sox as being an intriguing landing spot for top-tier free agents. I just don't. Well, they don't have a history of it because old Uncle Jerry doesn't want to pony up the dough, unfortunately for them. You know their biggest contract ever was Jose Abreu? Really? That's their biggest... Jose free Abreu. agent signing. I mean, Abreu is wow. a dang good ball player, but it's like what a sixty million dollar. Abreu, Abreu is pretty underrated, but yeah, that's that's kind of surprising. I just think that you know, if you're a top tier free agent, and I'm getting offers from Los Angeles or New York or Boston, why would I want to go to the South Side of the Chicago instead? I mean, it just doesn't make much sense to me. Cha-ching. That's yeah. It'd be, it'd be money. I, get my, I mean, just my thing is, like, if you're if you're getting that much money offered from the White Sox, then chances are you're probably getting offers like that from other big markets, too. Well, I mean, th this is where the Sox really have to step in. And I mean, they have so little in terms of dedication to payroll. They could spend so much money. But again, good old Uncle Jerry. We know how good old Uncle Jerry operates. Did you... Did you hear that uh, that interview from the one guy who used to work for the Marlins who talked to Jerry Reinsdorf, like what he said? Uh-uh. No. So this is according to him. Um, and unfortunately, I kind of believe it, knowing Uncle Jerry. I don't know if these were his exact words or not. I don't know if he was paraphrasing or maybe misinterpreted. I don't know. But basically what he claims Reinsdorf told him uh, years ago was... Always try to finish second. You'll keep the people interested, but you don't have to shell out <laughs> all the money, basically. Oh, man. Well, I mean, it is a business. It is a business, and sometimes business can be slimy. 
I mean, <laughs> but if you're a White wow. Sox fan and you heard that, wow, yeah, I'd be, I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty ticked off. I mean, look, I, I already root for one of the guys' teams that he owns, and frankly, the team is an absolute joke. But, uh, it just, you know, that right there, it, it, and he, of course they come out and they deny it and whatnot. But if the White Sox really want to break the reputation they have, they better open up their pockets. They have no excuse not to. Yeah, I I agree. They they really don't. But I just if I'm a big tier free agent, I, I'm not I wouldn't want to go live in the south side of Chicago. I mean I obviously you don't have to live there, but that's that's not where I would go. Well the White Sox would really have to sell people on their rebuild as well. I mean they gotta convince that hey, not we have a good something job special going on here. No, and I think they have I don't something see really them, special, but yeah, I, I don't see them making strides either. I they, they keep having the same season over and over again and they keep promising that big things are going to happen soon but i don't see it i don't see them being on the verge of anything special well i see a lot of special players but they need to build a team around them i see potential yeah that hasn't totally flourished yet and and other big holes on the team though i mean well, of course I mean, yeah, they've they've got a lot of problems that un- unless they they can fix some of those, it doesn't matter how much young talent they've got. Right. I mean, I think Yoel Makata is the real deal. Tim Anderson is pretty talented. I think last year was a career year, though, uh, just based on the Babbitt numbers. But I still think he's really good. Um, Eloy Jimenez, I think, is going to be really good. Um, the thing I worry about the White Sox is what their pitching is going to be like because they yeah. have promising guys, but. Michael Kopech, you know, just had Tommy John surgery. Yeah, uh, Dane Dunning's had Tommy John surgery. Yeah, a lot of injury problems with the right. pitchers they've got. And, and they, will Giolito keep it up? I don't know. Yeah, it's it, a pitching staff that once looked like it had a ton of promise, just can't stay healthy. Right, right. So, again, that's why they're going to have to go out and try to shell out some money. I mean, if they want Garrett Cole, you better wow him with a big sack of money. Yeah, he's going to exactly. make a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, I just if you're going to lure him away from signing in a place like New York or Los Angeles, you're going to have to offer him a, a substantial amount more, I think. And I don't see yeah. the White Sox even being interested in doing that. Well, I mean, the past tells us that Uncle Jerry will have his line drawn, but, you know, we'll see, I guess. Speaking of Los Angeles... I look at some of these free agents and I say, you know, the Angels would look really good for them. I mean, if they if they bring in Joe Madden and they really want to make a run at this now, don't you think they'd try to be in on some of these big guys? They should. I mean, it's it's it should be a, considered a sin the way they've played with Mike Trout. It's it's so disappointing that we don't get Completely to see him in the wasted. postseason every year. Yeah. Years and years of his prime, maybe the greatest player of all time, and we almost sure. never get to see him play meaningful baseball. They need pitching. They really need starting pitching. I mean, consider this. Mike Trout, he may be the greatest player of all time, and how often do we see him on national primetime television? Almost never. Almost never, because the Angels as a team are just totally and completely irrelevant. Could you imagine if he was on the Dodgers? Oh, my God. It would be, that'd be huge. It'd be a mm-hmm. he would be the LeBron James of baseball. Yeah, absolutely. He would be a worldwide brand like LeBron James. Yeah, it's it's a shame the way things have gone in Mike Trout's career. Well, look, the toil I mean, on such a bad team year after year is really just a total disappointment. It is, and I like the Angels. I always have, and I want to see them really good again. And, and especially since Joe Madden is there now. I'm praying they shell out for a guy or two to really try to get them forward. They I mean, should. at least be in a playoff race. I think if Mike Trout and the Angels are in a playoff race, it's good for baseball. Yeah. Yeah. He, Mike Trout needs to be on TV. I'm right there with you. I totally agree. Other guys that the Cubs may be in on in terms of free agents, I think you may see kind of smaller depth moves made. Not just for bullpen, but I think they're going to try to stock up on some outfield depth. I mean, nothing nothing huge, I don't think, uh, but I think they're going to have to. Even, even if they get Nicholas Castellanos, they're still going to want some depth there because if you don't have Albert Almora Jr. anymore, 
if he's out of the picture, I don't really know of any stud outfielders that are going to come up anytime soon in the Cubs system. So, yeah. you know, it's, you're you're going to need to find some depth there. It's a pretty old free agent class this year. It's it, so it, it would make sense. I think there's there's a lot of guys you could get as a depth piece for pretty cheap because there's there's really not a ton of premier outfielders on the free agent list this year. I mean, you've, you've got like Marcel Ozuna. He's received the qualifying offer from St. Louis. Uh, I think he should take it personally. Uh, yeah. Brett Gardner uh, is a free agent now, been with the Yankees for years, but he's ancient. Uh, you, you, if you look at the list of free agent outfielders, it's mostly really old guys who are probably in a position now where they're going to have to be depth pieces anyway. Curtis Granderson, Matt Kemp, Carlos Gonzalez, Peter Borges, Curtis Gerardo Parra. Curtis Roger Granderson's got to be 40 by now, right? 39. 39. My God. Yeah. He's yeah. been playing a long time. I'm looking at center field and yeesh. Yeesh. Yeah. Jared Dyson, Billy Hamilton. Carlos Gomez, Mason Williams, Leonis Martin, Keon Broxton, Juan Lagares, Austin Jackson. Ugh. Get Billy Hamilton. Hamilton, get some speed on the team. You know what? If they gave him like a really tiny deal, I'd be okay bringing him in. Somebody, somebody's gonna want him. I mean, I think multiple teams will want him just for his speed. Of course, of course. And he, and he is a he is a good fielder, but he, he's totally he's complete dead weight at the plate. No, so I mean really, I mean realistically, I'd like him in a playoff race. You trade right. peanuts for him, kind of like what the Braves yeah. did. I think wherever Billy Hamilton goes, he won't be on that team by the end of the year. He's the like he's the premier trade to a playoff contender kind of guy. Yeah, that's why some low tier yeah. team will sign him. Yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if like a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates tried to get him. Could you imagine how annoyed yeah. he'd be on the Pittsburgh Pirates when he oh played us? Oh my god! Ugh. Yeah, he. We. How many times have we seen it? Billy Hamilton gets on base. Ten seconds later, he's on third. Yep. Have you seen the right fielders in terms of free agents? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a lot there either. I mean, one guy I am kind of intrigued by is Cole Calhoun. I, I think he's a solid enough player that'd be good, like, depth for you. Yeah, um, yeah but he'd be a good depth piece. Got a little pop in his bat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, Nicholas Castellanos is far he's and away the biggest free agent right yeah. fielder. But, boy, Cameron Mabin, who's only 33, feels like he's much older. Mm-hmm. Yasiel Puig. Um, Ed Case. Yeah, I'd rather it, not deal with it. I just don't think he'd come here. I think I think he'd go to the White Sox more than here uh, because of the Cuban connection. Um, and, you know, obviously they have the flexibility yeah. so they could they could pay him without breaking the bank. Yeah. Um, Matt Joyce, who, who I can't He's believe is even right. still playing. Adam Jones. Ooh. I don't think Adam Jones has much left in the tank. No. He's Melky Cabrera. Yeah. John Jay and Lonnie Chisenhall. <laughs> yeah. That is a yeah, lot of not a lot there. Yeah. If this was 2012, it would be a completely different scenario with Jones, Cabrera, Jay, and Chisenhall, but it's not. Um, obviously, you have some free agent DHs that's not relevant. Ooh, that's, that's a rough list, too. Hanley Ramirez, Mark Trumbo, Kendris Morales. Again, a bunch of has-beens. Yeah. My God, talk about has-beens. That's it's exactly what that group is. My God. Yeah. Yeesh. I'm looking at some Ancient of the starting. I'm looking at some of the starting pitchers, and I see guys as depth, but the guys I'd really want, like a Garrett Cole or Strasburg, obviously, aren't in the cards. Yeah. Um. You know, Kyle Gibson. Kind of intriguing. Yeah. Tanner Roark is like a lower guy. Nah. Yeah. Right. Wade Miley. Wade Miley yeah. is depth. Nah. Brett Anderson, no. Ivan. Let's Nova, not revisit no. that. Yeah. No. 
Andrew Kashner and oh. Andrew Kashner and Anthony Rizzo being on the same team would be full funny. circle. <laughs> full circle. You know what was interesting? Julio Tehran. Remember when he was kind of a big name? Yeah. Big young name. He, he was really good with the Braves at one point. Last year, not so much. No. Yeah. But no, he 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 had some good seasons. But you gotta you gotta see some some potential there still. I think. Sure, I agree. Uh, Rick Porcello, I think he's best his best days. <laughs> we could get Jason Vargas. Oh man, Jason Vargas, Michael Waka, Negative War, Alex Wood, really talented uh, but way too Mike, injured. Michael Waka was awful last year. He's been awful the past few years. Yeah. Can uh, we sign Jolie's Chassin for pennies and get that two- 2018 pixie dust he had? I don't see why not. Because last year was not good. But the year before, he was an all-star. Edwin Jackson's I'm... a free agent. <sighs> I'm sorry, you were going to say something? No, 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 no. I, just the, the, the Edwin Jackson thing. Uh, I, yeah. I, I want Edwin Jackson to have played for every team in the league. Oh, I know. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be so awesome. I'm looking at the relief pitchers. Obviously, the biggest one uh, is Will Smith. He received a qualifying offer. We'll see what happens there. I think he's going to go free agent at least to try to get more money. Should, Will yeah. Harris. Will Harris. Right now, the third highest right now in terms of war listed on MLB.com is Sergio Romo in wow. 2019. That's number three on the list. Yeah, that, that should give you guys some idea of just how shallow the pool is oh, this year. Man. I mean, oh, it's not to man. knock Sergio Romo, but... The guy's I mean, ancient. If you'd, if you'd told me that Sergio Romo was the third best reliever on the market, I would guess that the year was like 2010. Yeah. I mean, you got just a lot of has-beens. Greg Holland, Hector Santiago, Nate Jones... Arotis Vizcaino, Hector Rondon, Trevor Rosenthal, Willie Peralta, Zach Duke, Cody Allen, Adam Warren, Brandon Morrow, obviously, Bud Norris, ooh, Josh Tomlin. You can Tony consider bringing Sip. back Hector Rondon on a cheap deal. You know, I'd be kind of tempted he, to. He hasn't. He hasn't been bad for the Astros. Let's look. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want 320 him. ERA in 2018, 371 ERA in 2019. That's not bad. I wouldn't want him on like uh, on a deal that would have him. I mean, obviously, money yeah. doesn't necessarily yeah. give you the job, but I'm saying I wouldn't want him as like the setup man. But for right. depth, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that either. I, I mean, you're never going to get 2015 Hector Rondon back, and that's a he given. Was but really. Oh man, he was he was phenomenal. I think I think losing the closer job is what made him fall apart. Honestly, I think it mentally just got to him. He also had an injury too that didn't help. Yeah, and he's getting older now. But if it it was cheap enough, then I wouldn't mind seeing Hector come back. I always kind of felt bad for him the way things ended up. Yeah, here's a name I wanted to ask you about. This would require some shuffling. This is not a pitcher. This is a position player. But people have talked about it on Twitter, and I wanted to bring this up before we close the show out. What do you think of Mike Moustakis? Oh, man. I have always sort of been of the opinion that Mike Moustakis is a little bit overrated. I don't know what you think about that. I think Mike Moustakis is just an incredibly average player whose name is much bigger than his game is. I think that he pretty much is just riding off of the success that he had in 2015. If you cancel his 2015 season, you've got just an average baseball player and a lot of times below average. So here's my thing on Mike Moustakis. I would agree on the overrated thing if we were talking about the first several years of his career. But I think people realized he wasn't that big superstar. 
But if you look at how he's contributed to the Milwaukee Brewers the past year, he was year very half, good last year. He was good yeah. last year. Yeah, that's the I that's think, far and away the best season he's had since 2015. Which you know that's that's a red flag for me that in a 10 year career he's only had two good seasons. I also think um, with Mike Mustakis that, and this is just a theory of mine, just kind of thinking out loud. He fit the Brewers better than he would the Cubs. So I think he would just play better with the Brewers and be a, a bigger mm-hmm. contributor with the Brewers. Um, because I think he fit the Brewers like a glove. He was like a tailor-made yeah. Brewers player. I just think that for what M- Mike Moustakis is, I think last year, last season, Mike Moustakis was what I wish Kyle Schwarber would be year after year. And sure. I think I think for what the Cubs already have on their roster, Mike Moustakis doesn't really fill any of their needs. He's a low average, high home run kind of guy. The Cubs already have plenty of those. I think what they need is somebody who can hit for contact and get on base at or a high contact, clip. Contact, sure. Yeah, and that's not really what I, Mike I mean, Moustakis is. I can't disagree is. with that. I can't disagree with that. I'm I'm just kind of yeah. looking at ideas maybe to get a little creative. It's it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I just think that having Mike Moustakis and Kyle Schwarber on the roster at the same time is a little redundant. No, I get that. I get that. I mean, those are good points. Those really are good points. Um, Here's another guy I brought up uh, in an article looking at infielders, because I think second baseman, they should go after a veteran. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a number of veterans there. Uh, He missed most of last year due to injury. And I'm not saying he'd be like the everyday starter necessarily, but I would not be co- like opposed to at least looking at a Scooter Jeanette type guy because look at the seasons he had before the injury. Very solid work. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. Uh, somebody I was thinking about too would be maybe like Jonathan Scope. I it, Scope's got nice pop. He's He's mm-hmm. not really the contact guy, but he's got nice pop. I'll say that. What about Jason Brian Dozier too? He's got Jason Kipnis. See, if this was maybe a few years ago, I'd say heck yes. But Mm -hmm. I just kind of see a a declining player right now. Oh, for sure. I guess the the question is whether or not you think he has it in him to make a little bit of a comeback. And I think there's a possibility, but I just don't know if he will. I I don't. Guy I really like on the list of second basemen, just as an idea for a depth piece, is Wilmer Flores. I think there's some some real potential with Wilmer Flores. Yeah, yeah, no, I I don't mind him. I don't mind him. I'm gonna I'm gonna close the show with kind of a little harsh opinion I have about a player, and I you may disagree with me, but I'm just gonna say it. So, are you ready? Yeah. Please, God, no Starling Castro reunion. No, 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 <laughs> Why no, 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 no. It I would just, be funny. No, no, no. It would be kind of funny. No, all he, does, all he does is put the ball in play and hit a bunch of singles, not yeah. draw walks, and he's a terrible defender. True. No. Very true. I don't want I that. I don't I want still, that. I still kind of feel bad for him that he got pushed out the door when – Things started going well for the Cubs, but I would have to agree. But it was a it was I'm, the right move. It was the right move. It was absolutely the right move. There's no denying that. But and yeah, I, I, I really no. I really liked him coming up, but bleh. yeah, I, I, as a as a ball player, I'm not a Castro fan either. Yeah, I just uh, could you. They want to make their defense better. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they, they need to. Castro doesn't do that for them. That's true. I mean, the the one thing that I could give Castro is that he's good with contact. You know, he doesn't strike out a lot. He makes contact. But, I mean, how many times in big situations did we see Castro go up there and just hit a sharp ground ball right to the shortstop? Too many times. I guarantee you, if that was Starlin Castro up in Game 7 in Ben Zobra's spot, Joe Buck's call would have been like this. Sharp ground ball to Lindor. They flip the second for one over to first. That'll end the inning. Double play. That's what would have happened. Oh, probably. Yeah, probably. So anyway, I just had to get that out of my system. I am very anti. I hope you feel better. Astro back. <laughs> I do. Thank you. I do feel better. Good. Oh, I'm glad. Dude, 
we could bring in Gordon Beckham. Gordon <laughs> Beckham. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's let's take a look at Gordon Beckham's uh, stats, shall we? Oh boy. And I feel bad because the guy had a lot of promise, and I give the dude a lot of credit for not giving up and. You know, early in his career, he looked like a pretty dang good ball player with the White Sox. I mean, he was one of the Rookie of the Year finalists. He had a nice average, a nice OBP. He had an OPS north of 800, 14 home runs. But since then, I mean, this guy was supposed to be a big deal. Here were stats in Detroit last year. 83 games, 215, 271, 372, an OPS of 643. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. And again, That's... I give the guy credit for trying to truck along and keep his career alive. It's just, oh, man. That's not good. No. No. And even early in his career when he struggled with average and on base after his rookie year, he at least could hit double-digit home runs. And, you know, he could hit some doubles, you know, 20-plus doubles. So there was some value there. But... Boy, things have not looked good for old Gordo. No. Or we could sign him. He'd be cheap, right? Or we could not. Yeah, that's probably the better idea, to be honest. Yeah. Well, with that, I think we're going to close out this show. I want to thank everybody for listening. Adam, I want to thank you as usual for coming on and being my partner. As usual, I recommend checking out Cubby's Crib at Cubby'sCrib.com. You can also check out this podcast on iTunes.com. Also go on their official Facebook and Twitter pages. They post all the content. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.